0: جزاكم الله خيراً والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم
1: الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونستهدي ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله العظيم من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهد الله تعالى فلا مضل له ومن يضل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له له الملك وله الحمد يحي ويميت وهو حي لا يموت بيده الخير وهو على كل شيء قدير وأشهد أن محمدًا عبده ورسوله وصفيه وخليله أدل الأمانة وبلغ الرسالة ونصح الأمه وكشف الغمة وتركنا على المحجة البيضاء ليلها كان هارها لا يزيغ عنها إلا هالك فعليه أفضل الصلاة وتم التسليم وعلى آله وصحبه ومن استنبى سنته إلى يوم الدين اللهم اجعلنا منهم ومن الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواسب الحق وتواسب الصبر آمين رب العالمين وأوصيكم نفسي بتقوى الله وقد أمرنا بالحق وقال تعالى يئيو الذين آمنوا تقوا الله حق توقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون يئيو الناس تقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحدة وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء وتقوا الله الذي تسألون به والأرحام إن الله كان عليكم رقيبا يئيو الذين آمنوا تقوا الله وقولوا قولا صديدا we begin by praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and bearing witness that none has the right to be worshipped or unconditionally obeyed except for him and we bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa is his final messenger we ask Allah to send his peace and blessings upon him the prophets and messengers that came before him his family and companions that served alongside him and those that follow in his blessed path until the day of judgment We ask Allah to make us amongst them. Allahumma ameen. Dear brothers and sisters, when the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was sent to mankind, there are a number of stories that we have of how hearts were being prepared for that moment. And it is of course an opportunity, a very short opportunity, to live alongside Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam on this earth, while he is amongst us, while he is receiving revelation. An opportunity that I want you to just think about. Only a handful of the world's population got to experience and only two decades of the entire existence of this earth got to witness. Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam receiving revelation amongst you. It's only two decades of the entire existence of however many billions of years the earth has existed, or will exist altogether the millions of years. And subhanAllah, there is nothing random about the hearts that Allah chose to surround the Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam with just as there was nothing random about the heart that Allah chose for revelation being the heart of Rasulullah SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam. And so I wanted to give you two stories that kind of represent a reaction to this opportunity in very different ways. Nothing of hostility, but the way that you prepare yourself for an opportunity before it even shows up. There's a story of a man by the name of Afif al-Kindi, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, who very few people know. And Afif, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, was someone who, of course, by my sending salutations upon him, you recognize as a companion, that very few Muslims would have heard about but it could have been different. And what do I mean by that? He explains that he used to trade with Al-Abbas radiAllahu ta'ala anhu. And so he used to come to Mecca and he would meet Al-Abbas and on one particular occasion he comes down and I want you to imagine the sight that he describes. He says, I saw a man in front of the Kaaba and next to him a young boy and behind them a woman and these three people were praying in a way that I'd never seen anyone pray before. It was a very interesting sight. They weren't praying to the idols. They were praying in a very different way. And I went to Al-Abbas, and I'm paraphrasing the story, but he said, I asked Al-Abbas, who was that? What was that sight that I have seen? And Al-Abbas, عنه, goes on to describe that this is my nephew, Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi Wasallam." That is his young boy Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu taala anhu, and that's his wife Khadija radiallahu taala anha, and my nephew claims that he is a prophet of Allah, and he claims that he receives revelation from the Lord of the heavens and the earth. And listen to how he describes it. He says, "Wala There is not a single person, I swear by Allah, upon this religion other than these three people. No one on earth except for these three people. Now Afif could have done something with that. He could have went up to the Prophet and investigated the matter. But he did what most people would have done, which is wait it out. Wait to see what's going to become of this affair. He didn't necessarily oppose it, in fact, he didn't express any hostility to the Prophet ﷺ. He wasn't someone that had any skin in the game when it came to the idols of Mecca. But he waited it out. And I want you to imagine, as you see the sights of the Kaaba today, what is it like when only three people are standing in front of the Kaaba, worshiping Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala properly. And later on, he would become Muslim towards Fath Mecca. Towards the conquest of Mecca, so towards the very end of that span of the Prophet's life, and indeed he's blessed because he's a companion, but he would frequently be heard saying, "Ya Rabia, I wish I would have been the fourth. I wish I would have been the fourth. I wish I would have been the fourth. I could have been the fourth. I could have went there. I could have asked him something." I could have found out about this religion, I could have went and prayed next to the Prophet وسلم, and Ali ibn Abi Talib عنه, and Khadija عنها, behind us, I could have been the fourth. Now I want you to contrast this reaction to a much more famous story, Waraq ibn Nufal Waraka is on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Waraka has prepared his entire life for this opportunity. He's gone all over the world, studied a scripture that's completely unfamiliar to him, learned languages. I mean done levels of investigation that only a handful of people even come close to doing in Mecca. And he has the Prophet and Khadija right in front of him. And the Prophet describing this experience. And as Waraka hears this experience, Waraka is already, as some of the scholars of Seerah would have mentioned, already in his 90s. He's extremely elderly. He only has a few days left to live. And this opportunity that he hoped he would have encountered early on in his life shows up. And his first reaction, I want you to pay attention to the, the ordering of his words. "Ya لَيْتَنِي fiha جَدْعَةً I wish I was young. I wish I would be alive when your people run you out. SubhanAllah, before he even mentioned to the Prophet you'll be run out, he already is expressing regrets. I wish I was young. SubhanAllah, he worked his entire life for this moment, and the moment shows up when he only has a few breaths left in life, and he's saying, I could have been young, and I could have been with you, when your people run you out. Now the Prophet's reaction is, wait, they're gonna run me out. His first reaction is, I wish I was young. Kuntu I could have been with you when that all happens because he waited for that opportunity. And of course, as Aisha radiAllahu narrates that Waraka lived only a few days after that. Now the Prophet said that I saw Waraka with a level or two in Jannah all by himself. So the output is there. The reward is there. But that opportunity that he prepared himself with, how many times when you read the books of Seerah do you hear about these elderly people that passed away that had great children, great descendants. But waraqa's investigation paid off. Allah knows why he chose him for that time. Allah knows why a man who was that sincere and dedicated did not get to be 30 years old or 40 years old. When the Risala came to Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Allah's qadr is perfect. But there's something there. Now if you take the example of waraqa, who prepared for the opportunity, who investigated the opportunity before the opportunity even came, to Afif al-Kindi, who simply encountered the opportunity and then waited out to see what the investment was going to bear. You have a couple of mindsets. None of this is random. Most people take the Afif way, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, most people wait things out. If you think in terms of dunyawi investments, worldly investments, most people strike at an opportune time when they're able to do something. Waraka was not someone who simply came across the Prophet ﷺ, he waited for the moment, he was studying, he was investigating. And as soon as the opportunity was in front of him, he renewed his commitment to live up to that opportunity with every fiber of his being So sometimes when we talk about missed opportunities, it's because of the time that you live in. And Allah knows why he put you in this time and why he didn't put you in the time of the Prophet and the companions. Sometimes it's not knowing the blessing of what's in front of you. And that's why the scholars mention al-ilm, that knowledge is one of the greatest ways. Proper investigation of knowledge is one of the greatest ways to make sure that an opportunity does not escape you. If you read about the virtues of something constantly, if you're reading about the virtues of qiyamul layl how are you going to miss qiyamul layl you're reading about the virtues of coming to the masjid. How are you going to miss coming to the masjid? You're reading about the virtues of voluntary fasting. How are you going to miss out on voluntary fasting? And the list goes on and on. And of course, so many more things that are outside of the realm of what we typically deem as ibadah, of worship, that there are opportunities upon opportunities upon opportunities. But if, if you're not studying those virtues, you might miss it. And there's a famous narration from Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu anhuma. He used to follow the footsteps of the Prophet Sallallahu And he heard Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala anhu in the masjid say that whoever witnesses the janazah and then follows the janazah hatta tutfan Until the person is buried. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will write down for that person two qirat, two mountains. In one narration, the size of Uhud, in one narration mithl Uhud. The smaller of the two mountains. It's also an authentic hadith is like Uhud. So if you attend the janazah, you get one mountain, like Uhud, of good deeds. If you go through to the janazah and you witness the burial as well, then you get two, asgharuhuma mithlu Uhud. And Allah knows best if the smaller one would be the one where there is less exertion, which is attending the janazah in the masjid. How many more people attend the janazah in the masjid? Than actually follow it to the graveyard. That discrepancy is always huge unless it's someone that was very well known to the community. Even then there is a discrepancy, right? Why? Because I've got to get back to work. I've got to get back to what I was doing. I've got to get back to what I'm, you know, my, my meetings for the day. Very few people can take out that time and say, let me go. Now Ibn Umar radiallahu anhumah, he hadn't heard about the reward of going to the graveyard itself. And so when he heard Abu Huraira say that, he said, you heard that from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? He said, yes. And he sent someone, he said, go ask Aisha radiallahu anha, have she heard that from the Prophet peace as well? He wants to really make sure that he's not hearing two different things here. And he's sitting in the masjid, and he's got these, uh, these rocks in his hand. And he's nervous, he's picking at the dirt, he's waiting for the answer. Basically the equivalent of pacing. And the man comes back from Umm al-Mu'mineen Aisha radiallahu anha and confirms, indeed the Prophet said that whoever prays the janazah and then follows it, until that person is buried, will have two mountains, the size of Uhud, or the smaller of them, the size of Uhud. And he throws the rocks that are in his hand, and he says, how many mountains have I missed out on? How many qararit how many mountains did I lose? Not knowing this. So sometimes you miss an opportunity, Because you don't know about something, and that is the beauty of what we have in this time, subhanAllah, at no point in history can you look up the fada'il, the virtues of an action, like you can right now. Information is easily available to you. But at no point in the history of this ummah will you find less people acting upon these virtues, even though they're available to us. And so it's investigating the virtues of something, and then making sure that you don't miss out on them. Sometimes it's not knowing the opportunities that are present to you in a place where you live. You know, subhanAllah, one of the narrations that we mention in the stories of the Sahaba, of Abu Darda ta'ala anhu, is a narration from Al-Qama anhu, and I was just thinking about this incident, as I was thinking about this khutbah. He went to a sham he lived in Iraq, so he went to Syria, and he's pursuing knowledge in different parts of the world. And he says that I went to Asham and I prayed two rak'ahs in the masjid and I said Allahumma yassir li jaleesan saliha. Oh Allah, facilitate for me a good companion. Let a good companion come in. So he said this man walks in and people go and they sit around him and he's clearly their sheikh, he's clearly their scholar. Alqama is a tabi'i, he's not a sahabi. He comes later on in the second generation. He says this is clearly an important man. And he said that person comes and he sits right next to me. And I said to him, who are you? He said, I'm Abu Darda, And ta'ala anhu. And said, subhanAllah, I asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, oh Allah, grant me a righteous companion, and then Allah brought you right here, right next to me. One of the greatest companions of the Prophet, Sallallahu sitting right next to me in the masjid. And Abu Darda says, where are you from? He says, I'm from Kufa, in al-Iraq. And Abu Darda responds to him, and he says, alaysa غَيْرُهُ Didn't you have amongst you in Kufa, that secret keeper of the Prophet Sallallahu who no one else knew those secrets except for him? Who was he talking about? Hudayf ibn yaman So Al-Qumas said, yeah. And then he went on and he said, أَلَيْسَ فِيكُمْ الَّذِي أَجَارَهُ اللَّهُ عَلَىٰ لِسَانِ Sallallahu Wasallam يعني من الشيطان Don't you have that person that lived amongst you in Iraq? that was protected from the shaitan on the tongue of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he's talking about ammar ibn yasir radiAllahu ta'ala anhu he said yeah and then he said alaysa sahibu uh, siwak alaysa sahibu siwak don't you have that person amongst you who was the companion of the siwak of the prophet And i mean he used to carry around the siwak of the prophet وسلم, the slippers of the prophet وسلم, and accompany him and and bring his wudu to him and that is Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu. So al says yes. And then he starts to ask him all these questions about Ibn Mas'ud and things of that sort. Now al is a great student, a great tabi'i, so he clearly took advantage of those opportunities. But I was thinking about this, subhanAllah, how many times do people not take advantage of the opportunities in their own location? And they say, if I got over there, right? How many of you said if I move to Dallas and then you don't attend the halaqas in Dallas? How many of you took advantage of the places that were Already present to you, the scholarship that was there, the opportunities that were there. How many people say, if one day I get to go study overseas, if one day this presents itself to me? And sometimes that's not taking advantage of the place that is there in front of you. Sometimes the scholars mention it's not taking advantage of the times, and most of those times are the downtimes of the ummah. The downtimes of the ummah. When the Prophet praised the work of Sha'ban, he said that that is a month عنه, that people become heedless in regards to, because it's situated in this awkward place, right between a sacred month and between Ramadan. So while everyone is thinking about Ramadan, the salihun are already thinking about Sha'ban and how they can make the most of Sha'ban. You're in one of those lost times right now, by the way, you're in a sacred month, which is Dhul-Hijjah, going into the month of Allah Muharram, but you're in this awkward space between Arafah and Ashura, and for some reason, most people think it's over after Arafah. You're in this time, the low times, the low seasons that still have high yields, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed all these opportunities in front of you. But most people don't take advantage of down times. That's why the most blessed time of the day for du'a is one Between Asr and Maghrib, because most people are exhausted at that time. Athkar al-Masa, the evening remembrances of Mas'ud radiallahu anhu said, most people are not thinking about athqara at that time. Most people are thinking about unwinding at that time. Right? Let me get home and collapse on the couch at that time. I don't want to think about anything else right now. But that's a time in which dua is blessed. Today on the day of Friday, that's a time in which dua is blessed. Sa'atul ijaba, the hour of acceptance. We ask Allah Subh'anaHu Wa taala to allow us to catch it. Allahumma amin. And then finally, dear brothers and sisters, most of the time, we're not paying attention to the closing gates of Jannah that are in front of us, which are these opportunities that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to us. And subhanAllah, there are two ways to look at this. Either the gates of Jannah are closing because of a circumstance that will not be present tomorrow because our circumstances are changing, or the means by which we have to pursue a particular gate of Jannah is not going to be there for us. So when the Prophet talked about as-sihhatu health and free time being the t- two most neglected blessings of people. Either the circumstance is changing or what you have to pursue is changing. The means by which you have to pursue that closing gate of Jannah. There's a particular circumstance or a set of circumstances that you have right now that give you an opportunity to pursue Jannah in very specific ways that will not be there tomorrow. Allah knows what they are. Allah knows what circumstances will change or what means will change. But every single one of us has something present right now because of the stage that they're at in life or because of what's available to them to pursue Jannah with. And it's not necessarily going to be that way tomorrow. And subhanAllah, you think about that with your parents. And there are multiple narrations about this. Of course, the famous narration where the Prophet sent that young man back from the battlefield to his mother. What's more exciting than dusting your feet and getting, you know, uh, getting into the thick of it with the Prophet? ﷺ. And the Prophet, ﷺ, imagine, says, Go back home to your mom. Right? Go back to, home to your mom. And that's where Jannah is at. It's at her feet. Again, it doesn't sound as exciting, it doesn't sound as glorious, but that's Rasulullah telling a man in his time Go back to your mom. There's something that is special there. And subhanAllah, there is a uh, narration, there are several narrations, one of them from Al-Harith Al-Ukli, رضي الله تعالى عنه ورحمه الله. in the janazah of his mother, and as he was crying, the people asked him, why are you crying? He says, لمَا لَا أبكي? Why should I not cry? وَقَدْ أُغْلِقَ عَنِّي بَابٌ مِنْ أَبْوَابِ الْجَنَّةِ When one of my gates to Jannah just closed. And Another narration from Zayd رضي Ta'ala anhu. If one gate closes, then rush to the other gate. You have two parents. Some of us, subhanAllah, have lost one of those gates, others have lost two. Some of us still have both of them present. And again, at what point in human history has connectivity been easier? Has it been easier to connect to someone, to FaceTime, to pull someone up on a camera, to call? Those gates of Jannah are open to you, if they're open to you. If one has closed, go to the other. If both have closed, then spend in their name and make dua for them. But there are opportunities that are available to you that will not necessarily be available tomorrow. SubhanAllah, and I'll end with this comment. I never thought that I'd quote uh, Warren Buffett in a khutbah, but there's a statement that he says, and and I thought it was really profound because it fits this. He said, beware the investment activity that produces applause. The great moves are usually greeted by yawns. He was talking about dunyawi investments, material investments. And you'll find this from Ibn al-Jawzi rahimahullah and other great scholars that they compare the way that people look for the investments of this world to the way that you look for the investments in the hereafter. Most people enter Jannah with very little fanfare. May Allah make us from the people of Jannah. For ordinary actions that had extraordinary rewards that they took advantage of. It's the majority of Ahl jannah the majority of the people of Jannah. And so, be introspective every day, not just of the sins that you committed, not just of the blessings that were available to you, but the opportunities that you have for that day. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to take advantage of each and every single one of us, of them, in a way that is pleasing to him. Allahumma ameen. Aqulu qawli hadha. Wa astaghfirullah lakum al-muslimin. Fa astaghfiru al-ghafur raheem. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wa la illa 'ala illa al Wa al-aqibatu mutaqeen Allahumma salli wa sallam wa ala abdika wa rasulika Muhammadin sallallahu sallam وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسيما كثيرا اللهم اغفر المؤمنين والمؤمنات والمسلمين والمسلمات الأحياء منهم والأموات إنك سميع قريب مجيب الدعوات اللهم اغفر لنا وارحمنا وعفو عنا ولا تعذبنا ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكوننا من الخاسرين اللهم إنك عفو كريم تحب العفو فاعفو عنا اللهم اغفر لوالدين رب رحمهما كما ربونا صغارا ربنا هبلنا من أزواجنا وذرياتنا قرة أعين وجعلنا للمتقين إماما اللهم عز الإسلام والمسلمين وأذل الشرك والكاذبين ودمر أعداء الدين اللهم أهلك الظالمين بالظالمين وأخرجنا وإخواننا من بينهم سالمين عباد الله أن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإتاءة القرب وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعذكم لعلكم تذكرون فاذكروا الله يذكركم واشكروه على نعمه يزد لكم ولا ذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون وأقم الصلاة